we're going to look at the life of Gideon. Now Gideon was one of the judges that ruled over Israel while they were without a king. And the Israelites had sinned, they had disobeyed God, they had went off and started worshiping their own false gods. And the judgment of God fell upon them and part of the judgment that God used against them was a war-loving people named the Midianites. And the Midianites were pressing Israel on every side and it was a terrible time for them. The Word of God tells us that they were uh, being pressed, they were being fall, uh, um, or the Midianites were fighting them for seven long years. And what had happened that Israel had started hiding in caves, they started hiding in the mountains, just trying to get away from the Midianites. And uh, the, as the crops came off, the Midianites found them. And they took all the spoils of the land. There was no extra. For Israel. I'm going to tell you today that God wants you to have extra in life. Now I'm not this prosperity preacher up here that will tell you if you'll just love Jesus He's going to give you new automobiles He's going to give you these things. No, I'm telling you that God wants you to have life and life more abundantly. And now sometimes that will be an increase in money but that's not what it's about. God wants to so bless you and your family. He wants your children to be so blessed and to become so mighty upon this earth that the inheritance setting before them that can change America through your children and through you. He wants to give you extra in your life, but it isn't material that we're going to talk about today. Now, He will tend to those things. He'll give you exactly what you need to get by. And there's a man named Gideon. And he had a heart. For God. But yet he was just a simple little farmer. Not a general. Not a man of war. Not a man that had been trained in war. Not a man that had ever been in combat. No, he's a farmer. Just an ordinary man. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And the Lord said something very strange to this ordinary farmer. Look there with me in chapter 6 verse 12. And then we'll look at verse 15. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, this is Gideon, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you. We want to thank you today that you love us the way that you do. Lord, we, we thank you that you see something in us, something that you can make out of us, not because um, of our ability, but, Lord, because you just want our availability, just to be able to serve you. And, I, Lord, as your people, there should be a desire in our hearts, a drawing of the Holy Spirit that leads us into your service. So, Lord, you move in this morning at Calvary Baptist Church. I pray as God the Holy Spirit moves in our midst that every heart will be penetrated with your word today, revealing to us things that we may not have seen, that we could confess them before you. And Lord, if there's oppression in this house of worship today, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the victory that's been given to us through him will be claimed today. That we'll just grab a hold to the promises of God, and Lord, you'll move upon us and change us this morning. I pray that Satan be barred from this place. 
that you would be exalted in the name of Christ under the shed blood of Christ, that authority that we have today, that he will be flung from this house of worship and all heaven move here this morning. It's in Jesus Christ's name I ask it. Amen. Now what happened here? The angel of the Lord come to him and said, Thou mighty man of valor. I believe that Gideon probably, as he, uh, this angel said that to him, looked over his shoulder to see who he was talking to. Is it me? You're talking to me? You're calling me a mighty man of, value, of valor? And this angel just called him that. The Lord made it clear that he was going to use Gideon to deliver God's chosen people from the Midianites. Then guess what happens? Gideon started arguing with God. Look there with me in verse 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is the uh, poor in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. Gideon starts saying, I'm not worthy of this. You see, he just starts saying these things. I'm not worthy of this. What he actually saying here, I'm one of the lowest in the tribes, and we're the poorest family in that tribe, and I'm the meekest and the lowliest in my father's house. Everyone else could be said that they could do this except me. You can use everyone else. I'm on the end of the list. I'm that one as we're drawing teams, the last one always picked. I'm that person that no one ever puts on anything. And you're calling me a mighty man of valor? I'm not capable of this. Let me tell you this. You and I are not capable of serving God. But we are capable when he says, I'll give you my strength. I'll give you my power. And I'll give you my authority to carry it out. No one here today can serve God without God putting you in that position. You're not capable of doing it. But he comes to him, he argues with God, and God says, no, I'm going to use you. I've done told you who you are, what you're going to be. And God revealed to him through his power and through God's grace that Gideon was going to be able to fight this good fight of faith. Now with that as a background, I'll say this. Our world... Country, state, county is in a war right now. You believe that? And this war is being fought for the souls of men and women, boys and girls. It's a spiritual war. And it is a war between darkness and light, between good and evil, between heaven and hell. And my friends, the stakes are as high as they can be. The enemy of Satan himself is loosing all the artillery that hell can bring. And I believe Satan is acting like a cornered dog this morning. I believe he's backed up in a corner and he uh, sees the ends of the time. So he's really coming hard at us today. For he knows that he has just a little time left. He saw America when we started killing our children. And said, oh, I've got a grip now. He moved into the homes of America and the alarms have never been sounded. Although you have uh, those security company signs in your front yard, fate's going to protect you. The first alarm's not went off in the American home. And then because God was extinguished from the American home, he moved into our schools. We run God out and put deputy sheriffs in its place. Then we kept going further because God was run out of the home. He was run out of our schools. Then he got run out of Washington, D.C. And it's an embarrassment to watch them. 
today. Either side. It's an embarrassment to a blood-bought child of God. But I'm going to tell you today, God wants to do something with you. You say, well, how little old me do anything? Well, we're going to see it's through faith. I tell you today, I believe if you're ever going to do anything for God, you better do it quickly. And whether you want to today, you can say, well, I don't want to be in this war. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be drawn into it. And you're going to say, well, I won't be in that battle. Well, I got some shocking news for you. If you're a child of God, you will not be able to escape this fight. It's coming. You see, if you're a child of God, you, my brother and my sister, are soldiers of the cross. We're told this. Warriors for the Lord. And we had better learn to fight, for we have many enemies. You know, the Word of God's pretty clear. He says you're for me or against me. That makes it pretty simple to see where we're at, doesn't it? You know, the church, Calvary Baptist Church, we are not called to be some type of playground here. That's not why we're here. No, we're called to be on a battlefield. You know, this thing, church, that so many people look at is not a showboat. No, it's a battleship. And today I want us to know, and the Word of God's going to show us that there is a war to be fought, and we are going to be capable through God's authority and God's power to fight that fight, the good fight of faith. So what God told Gideon so long ago, now is, uh, we see that it's mentioned in the book of Hebrews where Gideon is mentioned. And the Old Testament illustration is what God's people are still to do today. You take the life of Gideon, you apply it to your life, and you can live victorious today through faith. Now using God's Word, we're going to look at what Gideon did and how we can do it also. Principle number one is, is the principle of courage. The principle of courage. Now you remember, God called and commissioned Gideon, and the Lord said, Gideon, I want you to call an army. So Gideon went out, he called together an army, and I mean, a lot of people showed up. I mean, this is really encouraging for Gideon. I mean, this should be a great uh, motivation for Gideon. He calls an army together, and look there with me in chapter 7. And we're going to look at this. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched uh, uh, beside the well of Haran so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them, the hill of uh, Morah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The, uh, the people that um, are with thee are too many. For me to give the Midianites into their, your, their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. Now therefore, go to, the, uh, uh, go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let them return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand and there remained ten. So we're seeing right here that Gideon called out for an army to rise up, God's people to rise up and fight the oppressor upon them. Thirty-two thousand 
people came. That's a good number, isn't it? Boy, that, that should be an encouragement anywhere, but God sees it. And he knows the heart of God's people, and he says, well, i tell you what, that's too many. That's too many. He said, so what I want you to do is you go and tell them if you're afraid and you want to go home, load up and go. You're not worthy to fight anyway. Gideon goes out, he tells them this, and when he looks, 22,000 went to the house. Left 10. Uh-oh. May not be as encouraging as once was. But you see, it didn't get to Gideon because Gideon knew what God had said. He's just going to trust the Lord in it. 22,000 went to the house. He had a 32,000-man army. 22,000 went to the house. Why? They were afraid. Lack of courage. God was showing Gideon as God is showing us today to fight with uh, faith. We must have courage. Let me say this, and it's going to be just as blunt as I can be, so therefore it will be very blunt. God will not use cowards to do anything. Can't do it. God can't use cowards in the pews. He wants somebody that's going to be bold, that'll say, I'm going to grab a hold to the promises of God. I'm going to depend on God to carry me through it, and I'm going to win at the end because my God always wins. He's looking for men to stand in pulpits with a boldness and say, I'm just going to preach the gospel to whoever's here. Ten people or six thousand, I'll just preach because I'm not a coward. I'll just stand on the promises of God, and the world can come against me, and I will gain victory. Through my Jesus in it. Can't use cowards. Being afraid will only make you fit for one thing, and it's failure, and you can't fight. Second Timothy tells us that we are told in God's Word that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind, a disciplined mind. You see, fear is infectious in a church. Fear of one person has the ability to make others afraid. That's what it does. I coach baseball and I've been around a lot of kids all my life and I've seen this time and time again. Kid gets hit in the face with a baseball. It may be real bad. Now I can run out there and it's going to take me five seconds to run out there or I can walk out there in two minutes. But when that kid sees me running... He's going to think this is really bad. Everybody's running to me. Well, then you'll see mamas. They'll pass you. getting there. And it's real bad before they ever get their hands off his face. Right, mamas? Praise God for you. But it usually isn't as bad. But when we start rushing around, when we're thinking, oh, he's, it's about killed him. Of course they're going to be scared. You see, fear is just that way, same way in a church, though. You remember the story of when God had given the promised land to the Israelites. He said, I have a land I have brought you. They saw all the plagues that he, God had placed upon Israel, for, I mean for Egypt, that had held them. And finally Egypt said, just get out of here. Go. And then they tried to run them down. And Pharaoh in all of his anger said, I'm going to kill them all. God opened up the Red Sea. Now don't let... Don't let Hollywood deceive you. They weren't muddy-shoed when they got on the other side. My God dried it up and they walked on dry ground. 
They walked across that Red Sea and as the, the armies of, uh, against God's people rode after them, God closed the Red Sea up. They'd seen water from a rock. They'd picked up quail and manna uh, off the ground. God had provided for these people. And then when they get on the edge, right there at the edge of going over into the promised land, they send out 12 spies. They uh, come back. Ten of them said, the land is just like God said it would be. Well, yeah, it would be. But the people there are giants. And we're grasshoppers in their eyes. You see, the Israelites had a grasshopper complex. Calvary, we don't need a grasshopper complex. You know, it's a wonderful thing when God gives a church something to carry out for His name and the church stands up and says, by faith we will do it. But it is a horrible thing when some churches are not walking close enough to God to hear His voice and they take the counsel of fear and say, it can't be done. And then those who are uh, not walking close enough to God that start infecting others with that same fear and it just runs through your church. Tell you something God, uh, Satan will do every time God gives you something to do. If you think that God's going to be able to give Calvary Baptist Church something to do, and then he's just going to, uh, the spirit of the end church is just going to say, praise God, he's going to use us and take off. You've missed it. Because I'm going to tell you what Satan's going to do. Just as soon as he gives the church a direction, what Satan's going to do is he's going to start putting scarecrows up. All he needs is you. All he needs is just one scarecrow. And see what Satan's going to do, he's going to stick that scarecrow out there in the middle of that garden like a farmer does. Now, when a farmer puts a scarecrow up, he doesn't put it in the road ditch outside the garden. No, he puts it right in the middle of it where everything is good. Where the good strawberries and cucumbers and squash and corn and peas. He doesn't put it outside the fence. Satan does the exact same thing because he'll put it right where the good stuff is. Right where God says it's real good, he'll start sticking them scarecrows in the ground. Wonderful thing, though. God will give us the power to push on through. There. I'm going to tell you something that um, Satan loves to do that. Satan puts these scarecrows out there to keep us from where God uh, has the good things in store for us because God knows us, or Satan knows us where those blessings will be in that. But praise God that there are some people who are not afraid of Satan's scarecrows. Now, it is true that Satan can scare any of us. We have not the power to fight him on our own. But somewhere along that line, as we see Satan fighting, we start seeking God's guidance, and he'll give us that spirit to walk and win in it. Is there something in your life right now that God's told you to do, but you're too scared to do it? It's on your mind all the time. So I studied this passage of Scripture, God's Word. I thought upon what, what things, what things could be at Calvary, what things could be in my heart today that make me scared where I can't be used of God. And the first thing that I thought of was the fear of God. Now, I'm not talking about that reverent fear because we know the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. 
I'm talking about that fear uh, that people feel when they know that they're not right with God. You remember Adam and Eve had that. Adam even said, I heard thy voice and was afraid. On the authority of God's word, this is the way that it is. The deeper that you and I will slip into sin, the more fear we will show towards God. The further you go and get away from God, the more fearful of Him you are. But there's also people that are afraid of God because they don't think God loves them enough. There are many who are afraid of giving their heart and their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I can tell you this. If that be your case, don't think that you're safer in the devil's camp than under the provisions of God. People think, well, you know what? If I start confessing, I start confessing all these sins, God's going to scold me for them. Friends, God knows your sin whether you ever confess it or not. It's the unconfessed sin that will get you in that big trouble. God does not love me and God does not love you because we're lovable. No, praise God, He just loves us for who we are. Just meets us right where we are. But there's a second fear, I thought, that would keep us from what God would have us to do. And it's the fear of failure. And I'm going to use it very seldom. I use an example in my life to... Uh, that I see, but I'm going to use this. There are some people today who could teach. There are some people that could sing. There are some people that could do many wonderful things in the church, whether it's handing out the bulletin, if that's what God told you to do. There's many people today uh, that could stand behind the pulpit because they're called, but they just won't surrender to that call. And you know why? They're scared they're going to fail in it. Let me share something with you. I surrendered to preach in probably a minute and a half. A minute and a half. So I know everyone else is capable of being faithful, if I can be. I drove by a stump. I looked at that stump on a bush hog and was deciding how I was going to approach that stump. If you ever bush hog, you know what I'm saying. you got to set yourself up to get around that stump where you don't have to back up or move out of that pattern that you're going in. I went around that stump and uh, the Lord was working on me and I said as I come up on that stump, I said, well, you know, really there's nothing left for me to do but to preach. All thought went away from me. I made the next loop. I come back to that stump. And when I went around that stump, I said, well, Lord, that's what I'll do Sunday. If I'm not called to preach, you better stop me because I'm going to serve you the best I can. And I think that's what you've called me to do. So that's what I'll do. And all I ask for you to do in this is give me the courage that if I'm wrong 10 years down the road, I can stand before somebody and say, folks, I love you. I'm sorry. I missed it. But I will preach until you say or stop me from trying to do it. So let me say this. I've heard this. Well, you know, I've been praying for eight months. If God would want me to teach this class or go talk to this person or do this or do that. Let me tell you something. God can't entrust Gary Carter with eight months of anything. If he's not answered me in eight months on what he would have me to do right now, something's wrong with Gary. 
People sit and say, well, I've prayed if God wants me to do this and God wants me to do that. I made a life-changing decision when I said I'll preach the gospel. I made a decision whether I'm liked for it or disliked or what anybody says. This is what I'll do. Wherever God sends me to preach the gospel, that's where I'll go. So don't tell me that you've prayed for eight months well, to hand out a bulletin on Sunday morning. If you feel that you should, pray, say, thank you, God, for using me and hand it out. My goodness, we've used that as a crutch and excuse in these Baptist churches to where nobody wants to do anything. I'll just sit here because I really don't have a direction. Well, I'm going to tell you this. You get your heart right with Jesus Christ and it may take some good confessing. It may take some revealing in your life. You start seeking God's approval on your life, confess for what you haven't done, and God will start using you tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. You may not have all the details, but he'll put you to work. One thing you may not want to do is ask God to put you to work. You may buy into something way further than you thought, but it's time for Baptist people, God's people, to start saying, Lord, what do you need of me? Where will you use me? The reason so many churches are failing today is because they're scared they're going to do something wrong. There are some people who are so afraid of making a mistake until their entire life is one. Some lives their life as if they're an accident waiting for somewhere to happen. God says in the battle, those of you who are cowards just go to the house, can't use you. So the first principle is courage. Second principle is commitment. Look there in chapter 7, verse 4. And the Lord said unto Gideon the the people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whom soever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. Gideon calls them all together. They're fixed to go get a drink of water. I've looked at this place where they were drinking water from. It had a bunch of hills around it. It wasn't a very big, it's about a pond of fresh water there. And they gathered up at this thing, but this ridge was all around this thing. I mean, you could be attacked drinking water here. I mean, it wasn't a good place to be. Everybody had high ground. If this army would have moved in, they would have trapped you in this spot. He calls all of them to come in there, and some of them um, got down on all four knees, or all two knees, and bent down in it just like a dog would drink. Then there were 300 out of 9,700 drinking like a dog that knelt down on one knee. You're thinking, what in the world does that mean? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Those that bent down and drank like dogs were not committed to the cause. The ones that knelt down on one knee were committed. You say, well, how do you see that? Well, when they bent down like dogs and drank, they were worried more about their convenience than the enemy that's sitting there that could attack them. See, that man that bent down on one knee, he, had, he bent down on a knee where he could still draw a sword. He was steadily looking. He reached down, grabbed a handful of water where he could look up and see what was going to happen around him. He was committed to the cause. He knew I was just there to drink water so I can get in the fight. 
The others got down on all uh, their knees, got down on their hands and drank out of the water and they couldn't see anything around them. You know, God knows that we need water. God knows that we must have food, shelter, rest, and recreation. God knows all those things. Don't get me wrong. God knows we need those things, but those things cannot come first in your life. All things are secondary to the things of God. God's Word is telling us this morning, if you're not committed enough to put Jesus first and fight the battle of faith, you will be defeated because God can't use you. No more than he could use the 9,700 that were just worried about themselves. But there were 300 out of 32,000 that were committed enough and God said, I'll use you. Calvary, if you don't believe that Satan wants to harm your home, harm our church, and harm our community, you are wrong. And we need to start getting some Christian courage to us and some Christian commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ so God can use us. So we've looked at courage and we've looked at commitment that it takes to fight this good fight of faith. Now I want you to look at the confidence. God's not going to just leave you to your own. Look there in verse 9, chapter 7. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, said to Gideon, Arise, get, uh, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it unto thy hand. He said, get down there around that other army. I'm going to show you what I've already done. He didn't say, I'm going to. Did you see that in that passage? No, the battle's already won. God's just going to go ahead and give you the victory in it. He's done defeated. The army's defeated before they ever stepped on the battlefield. So Gideon goes out on this little spy mission under the inspiration of God. And he gets down there and he hears a couple of Midianites talking about a dream. Now look there with me in verse 13. And when Gideon was uh, come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellows and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came into a tent and smote it and it fell down, overturned it, and the tent lay alone. Verse 14, And his fellow answered and said, this is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For unto his hands hath God delivered Midian and all the host. See, the foe already knew he was beat before they ever showed up. They didn't know how bad it was going to be, but they knew they were beat. He said, the Lord's done delivered our hand. We cannot win. We cannot win in this. And God gave uh, Gideon this confidence. He gave him this uh, uh, inspiration to say, I've already got it. Now I want you to understand the items of this dream. Barley bread. If you couldn't get anything else, it was the cheapest of all bread. It was coarse. So I imagine it's pretty bad. I mean, if you couldn't afford anything else, you would give... Uh, could get barley bread. Now remember that uh, God said unto Gideon, Hail thy mighty man of valor. 
And Gideon said to the Lord, Now, Lord, you know I'm of the poorest tribe of the poorest family and the poorest in my family. But he said, You mighty man of valor. Then we see this dream, and the, the, uh, the Midian said, Oh, well, that's Gideon. That poor, coarse barley bread. But he's seen him coming through there and knocked all the host of the army of God out. So what the Lord was showing Gideon is what he's showing us today. You may be a lowly, coarse loaf of barley bread. You may be poor, unrefined, and you may be rough. But you believe as a child of God, he wants to use you. He wants to refine you. He wants to do something in your life that no one would ever expect. And it's not about what anybody else expects. It's what God's commanded. Paul said, it's not me, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God who has loved me and gave himself for me. What a wonderful passage has been given to us this morning. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. It's not about your fame. It's about your faith. It's not about who you know. It's who you belong to that counts with God. I'm glad today to see that God used a man like Gideon. And that shows me that he can use someone like me. And if he can use me, he can sure use you. I've heard people say, heard churches say, Well, we're going to sit over here and we're going to serve God our own little way. No. You need, to start, you need to quit that and start serving God His big way. That's what needs to happen. So to fight this good fight of faith, there must be a life of confidence. If Calvary Baptist Church would grab a hold of the promises of God, say, I'm going to live the way God wants me to, I'm going to allow God to lead me, guide me, strengthen me, you believe that heaven can tremble or hell can tremble out of fear of what we're capable of doing through Jesus Christ. But just realize the power and the authority that's been given to us. We've talked about courage, commitment, confidence. Last, we're going to look at the compliance. Look there with me in verse 15. And it was so... Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped and returned to the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered unto your hands the host of Midian. And he divided the three hundred men into three companies. He put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, I shall, uh, shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow the trumpet, and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came to the outside of the camp and uh, in the beginning of the middle watch. And they put, uh, had put newly set on watch. And they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew trumpets and break the pitchers that were he- uh, and held lamps in their left hands. 
and the trumpets in their right to blow withal. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Strange commandment there, isn't it? A strange command. You see, Gideon had 300 men just who simply believed God. That's just going to take him at his word. And he said, um, by a man one time, when I come in here, we're going to take, we're going to take this trumpet, we're going to blow this trumpet, we're going to blow, break this pitcher, and you're going to see this lantern. The world has one way, God always has another. And Gideon decided he'd just go with God's plan. He'd just be obedient. He'd just trust the Lord. We may think this morning, say, I'd like to have a life of faith. I want God to be real to me. And if that's what you want, I want you to listen to the last part of this. And I'm going to show you how you can receive this. I'm going to tell you how you can receive that faith. And it's simple. You take this right here. God's Word. Start living it and obeying it. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Well, I can't get that. Well... You may need to check your salvation because it's here. That's how we get it. Jesus said in John chapter 14, if you will obey my words, I will manifest myself to you. Obey me me and I'm going to come real to you. It's that simple. So in closing, I want you to see what happened in this. Look there with me in verse 20. Again, any the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and uh, beheld the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hand to blow withal and cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. When you start doing what God wants us to do, you see what happened. You see there's a, this trumpet in this. There's a whole another sermon, and I'm not going to preach it, but I'm going to let you see it. You see this trumpet that was in their hand is what you say. Trumpets what they say. The trumpet is their testimony. And it's real easy. It's real easy to run your mouth and say what you'll do. It's real easy to say, well, this is what Jesus has done, and then drop it at that point and never live a life for Christ. Jesus saved me and drop it. But you go further in this passage. Is how they won the battle. You see, the, test, the trumpet stand is their testimony. The breaking of the pitcher, so the light that was within it could shine out, is a representation of me. I'm that pitcher. I've been saved. I have a testimony. Jesus Christ has saved me. He lives within me. Amen? You got that this morning? Okay, that's your testimony. But you know what you're going to have to do for God to allow you to win these battles that we have to fight? You're going to have to break the pitcher, which is this old sinly flesh that's on the outside, and you're going to have to let that light of Christ that's on the inside shine through you. Easy to talk about it. It's saying we need to get ourselves out of the way. We need to quit thinking about our opinions and our, uh, our ideas. Let God lay something on our heart. We'll grab a hold of it. I'll bust this old picture out of the way and the light of Christ to shine through me in it. You know why it will? Because I've been redeemed. That's my testimony. I'll blow that horn for you. And then I'm going to move myself out of the way and the light of Christ will shine through me. That's what it's about. 
Will you fight that good fight of faith? Or will you just sit on the sidelines and lose with the losers? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We're thankful that you've not set us up to lose one thing. You've never lost a battle. You've never lost a fight. You've never given ground. So, Lord, we pray that we would be those things that you need us to be today, that you would use Calvary Baptist Church, not that the other people in town would talk about us, not that the state convention would ever say anything. No, that you would know who we are, know us by our actions, know us by our words, and you would be glorified through all of our actions, that you would be pleased with us. And, Lord, if we're sitting here today and we don't have a desire to please you, I pray that you convict us in it. That you change us through it. That we would reach out to you. You tell us in your word, draw nine to you and you'll draw nine to us. So Lord, I'm praying for drawing this morning. And during this invitation that we worship you. Amen. Ask everyone to stand. All heads bowed and all eyes closed.